Welcome to Conscious Founders. I'm your host, Xander Ford. Today I interviewed Saurabh Jain, uh, one of the founders of the largest virtual reality meditation application, Relax VR. And before I get too far in, I'd like to uh, give a quick plug to the podcast. If you do like Conscious Founders, please tell a friend. Uh, word of mouth marketing is the best way to get this podcast out there and really appreciate it. So Saurabh uh, started Relax VR while he was in business school and quickly realized that he wanted to dedicate full time to this business. So he dropped out of business school and uh, here we have uh, a user base of nearly half a million users on the first virtual reality meditation application. He's got a great story and um, I really enjoyed chatting with him. The Relax VR application enables users to enter a virtual environment of their choosing, mostly beautiful landscapes with guided audio meditations. One of the really cool things about his company and his application is that he's not only serving the consumer market with half a million downloads, but he's also interested in licensing this technology to businesses who would like to offer a relaxing virtual reality meditation environment to some of their clients like airlines and spas and wellness centers. Our conversation ranged from what it means to run a scrappy startup company, uh, an early stage app in this emerging ecosystem of virtual reality, uh, some of the challenges of user interface design when working with uh, phone-based virtual reality, and uh, the opportunities in virtual reality for this kind of application, what the, the future use cases are and some of the future features. His very large user base has uh, a lot of interest in different features, so it was fun to hear about those. Things like customizing their environment with different audioscapes. Uh, I also really like that Sorb uses his product almost every day. I love it when entrepreneurs stay really close to their products and what a better way to stay close than to use the product every day. One of the challenges uh, in the workplace can be finding some quiet time. I personally meditate a few times a day and uh, sometimes I'll plug my earbuds in and listen to some uh, beats that uh, are calming or maybe brainwave and training and yet still uh, it's easy to have the visual distraction. So like, for example, on a bus or on a plane, imagine putting a headset on and all of a sudden you're just in a totally different world. And interruptions from others can be reduced by wearing this headset. And in addition, um, the, the visual and the auditory environment, it's just a totally closed and controlled system. It's a really... Um, impactful and powerful for a lot of people. I'm really happy to see the dominant platform in the consumer-based virtual reality meditation has already gained half a million users. That's a really large number to have acquired at such an early stage in the development of this ecosystem. To me, it seems there are two business models for virtual reality software in general and then specifically for uh, the meditation and relaxation and cognitive enhancement um, <clears throat> virtual reality tools. There's the 
I'll call it the Google model, for lack of a better term, <clears throat> where you have uh, volume um, instead of maxing out the quality. So <clears throat> you see the maximum that you can do in a limited processing power system with a larger adoption base, largely due to the low price barrier. And then there's the higher end, lower install base systems where <clears throat> one can get super rich environments, but maybe they lose out a little bit on the user base scale. It'll be really interesting to watch the whole ecosystem evolve and watch how these technologies converge, similar to what happened as the power of a PC went from this big honking thing that sat on a desk to uh, something that can fit in your pocket or on your wrist or soon to be coming to a store near you in your glasses. Our interview was over Skype and we had a couple of uh, technical challenges getting going so I launched into our interview midstream with Saurabh talking about his foray from business school into business. So without any further dialogue, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Saurabh Jain of Relax VR. You can check out his company at R-E-L-A-X vr dot co yeah yeah so i was uh we were working on i was working on a few apps prior to starting the mba and then i you know it looked it was an mba in entrepreneurship so i thought it would be useful um did the first kind of first first part of it and simultaneously started relax vr and by the end of the first part it was clear that it, this was something, um, and it was gaining traction, and uh, the MBA was just taking too much time out of my out of my day, mm. so I decided to like just go full time. I've heard that story from a bunch of people that they they wanted to go to school because they wanted to do something awesome, and then they end up like doing the awesome thing, and then they're like, "Well, I don't need to go to school anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean the MBA was was helpful. Like the the found, I mean whatever I did of it, the the foundation stuff. Like I found it quite interesting. Um, but the reality is, uh, it was an MBA in entrepreneurship, and I think the best way to learn is just to do. Um, and particularly when you're on a good idea and it's it's getting traction, uh, it makes no sense to be staying in school. Um, that can come at any time, but opportunities don't always. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you you had the idea and you started to build traction right at the right time. Yeah, we were the first on iOS. Um, we built the app out in three months, uh, launched it. Didn't know how it was going to go at all. And we were, when we launched, we were in the top 100 health and fitness apps on iOS. Um, that was with no marketing. Um, and so when we saw that. There was clear demand. Um, we were getting good reviews. So then we decided, like, let's see. And we also, we launched on Android as well. Um, so once we saw that, then we, we decided, yeah, like, this is worth pursuing. And then we then we uh, started on the card, uh, on the QBR version from then on. And how long ago was that that you, uh, that you started, like, that you concepted the company? Uh, we started the concept actually uh, straight after we came back from New Year's holidays uh, in Jan. Like it was just me and my co-founder. We had been talking about VR um, a little bit, and 
we were really excited because we thought this was going to be a big thing. Um, I, had, I was already doing a meditation app at the time, and we did a bit of research. There was nobody doing meditation and VR, you know, um, and relaxation. So we thought, you know, why, why not give it a try? And we kind of hobbled together some resources, find, found some videographers, um, and yeah, and put it together. And here we are. And this was uh, in Australia, or you you were in Australia yeah. at this time? Yeah, Sydney. And when did you decide to move out to the valley and have a go at um, making something bigger here? What when did you when did you make that leap? Um, I came out here in September um, of last year, so you know about nine months in. Um, at that point, we had we had we were getting traction, um, and I came out pretty much for the transformative technology conference. Uh, I mean, that was one of the things. I also came out here uh, to see you know the valley, learn, um, and see what new ideas, what you know, we could get. Soon after I came, we had uh, our clinical psychologist uh, Ivan join the team. He contacted us through Facebook. Um, he's in Spain and that was a turning point for the company um, because we sort of got an insight into the you know decades of research that VR has and that supports the reduction of stress and anxiety in VR so when we saw that um, that really uh, that actually that was, a, that, was a, that was a pivotal moment for me because before that point I knew the meditations worked, um, but I didn't know how VR, how like how good was VR? Like, how, was it really useful? You know, was it was it good? Um, and uh, the science, you know, behind it, really helped me see that yeah, this is this is something worthwhile. Awesome. So you um, built a meditation app, and then you decided to build one in VR, and then along came this psychologist who was like, hey, VR has been really successful for treating stress and anxiety and uh, helping people with, like, PTSD. It's been around um, for a long time, since the 90s, I guess. And uh, Yeah. So so now you're, you're pretty much the largest, I think, one of the largest virtual reality um, application user bases out there, right? How many uh, how many how many versions of your software have been downloaded, or how many copies? Uh, we've just uh, just over four hundred and ten thousand uh, to date. So almost so, a million people have downloaded your application. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really incredible. Really, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's pioneering. It surprised us. Um, oh, it's it it lagged a bit. Uh, just cut out. Um, yeah, it's it's it surprised us as well. Um, I think most of most of our downloads have been on the Gear VR. Um, uh, we're definitely seeing most of the traction there. Admittedly, we are freemium on Gear VR, and that's contributed. Uh, but I think. Uh, yeah, there's definitely demand, and uh, while people say you know uh, um, consumer VR is not is not so big, we see we're seeing great download numbers and we're seeing great retention numbers as well. 
So, what's a, what's a typical profile of um, of a power user? Like, how many minutes in a day or hours in a day would they spend in VR? So the average user is um, using relaxed VR for you know about four to five minutes. And I would say a power user is between like 15 to 20 minutes per session. Awesome. Um, just because the uh, meditations, you know, uh, range from five minutes to 20 minutes. Yeah. That's great. And so have you found like typical space, you know, spaced out times, for example, somebody will sit in the morning and afternoon and evening or uh, what are you kind of seeing on your user analytics um today we haven't uh we've actually just implemented uh you know user login um very recently uh we hadn't we hadn't implemented implemented login for quite a while um partly because we we it's hard to log in it's really hard to log in in vr you know uh typing in with keyboard etc um, you need to have a really good, you know, uh, reason for the user to log in. Um, and we, you know, recently found a way to allow the user to quickly log in. So now we're getting that kind of data. Um, and, you know, uh, we haven't done the analysis on, like, in time, on what, what, what times people are using it. Um, but, it but it definitely goes, you know, up and down uh, in, in, during the week. Um, I think on the, on the weekends it, it kind of... Uh, it's a, it's a bit of a high, and then during the week it it goes uh yeah it goes a bit lower. That makes sense. Yeah, people get a little yeah. more time to, yeah. to relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I saw on your website you guys are doing. Um, I saw you had a commercial license section, and I really like that idea where you know you're bringing it from the consumer or even the prosumer, and you're making this available to spas and dental offices, um, corporate wellness programs. And, um, I can relate in, in, from my experience in the app development, um, we were one of the, the first, um, credit card applications, on the iPhone and, um, it's called swipe. Well, we launched this $30 app and it was successful and it was getting downloads. And then we realized like, Oh, um, a lot of the money actually comes from the credit card transactions. So let's make a, a freemium version, right? Like a, a $1.99 version, and then we released a, a free version. Um, and what happened, what we found was that the uh, people who downloaded the $30 app, um, which was frankly kind of almost identical to the other two, um, but it had like a couple other features, um, and what we discovered is that those were actually far more valuable users uh, from an economical perspective because they had already committed $30 and they kind of pre-qualified themselves to be serious users, whereas the the ones who were paying, and it kind of went down from there, the $1.99 also pre-qualified themselves a little bit more and then the free ones, it was like the leads were like maybe 10% conversion or something, so... It was an yeah, interesting we, experiment, um, and we ended up being the number one business app in the i you know in the iTunes 
back in the day, um, which yeah. was exciting, exciting times, you know, um, kind of, it feels yeah. a lot, a lot like similar to where you are with pioneering in the virtual reality space on Samsung's, you know, Gear VR and, um, releasing on Android, getting, getting kind of traction and early adoption and in this new emerging market. And, um, it's really exciting times. Yeah, it is. Um, it does definitely feel like, uh, you know, like people have related the VR scene at the moment to the, you know, the, the initial period of the app store launch and the, you know, the play store, um, Probably the difference uh, in my mind would be that the fragmentation. So with VR, there are just so many platforms, and it's only increasing, um, which presents certain challenges. Um, but yeah, the feeling of something very new and not many people in the space uh, is, is exciting. It sounds like for what the platforms are, you've really dominated the kind of easy entry uh, platform more the cell phone that snaps into a headset uh, market. And I imagine for like the more expensive headsets and that are higher graphics processing power and, you know, that's a very different user that is going to spend $3,000 on a headset plus PC to run it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think uh, for our use case, mobile makes a lot of sense. Um, because you don't need a lot of movement. Um, you know, mobile is definitely the, you know, there's something like 80 million cardboards that went out in 2016, I think. Um, and, you know, uh, so there's, there's a lot of them out there. Um, so, it's, yeah, we're, we're across cardboard, here we are in Daydream. So, yeah, we're definitely across the mobile space. Awesome. 80 million. Wow, I didn't realize it was that large. Yeah. And they're only yeah. like eight bucks, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like between five and 15 if you go to host wholesale or if you're buying it at you know, quality, depends on quality, but yeah. And then a mobile phone is practically free, but it's like, what, maybe $100 if you want to get the cheapest model of mobile phone out there and snap it into a, a Gear VR. Yeah. That's definitely on the cheaper end. Um, I mean, a cardboard, yeah. Yeah, for cardboard. I think what will be really interesting in coming, you know, in the following year, and actually it's already available now, are standalone headsets. So while the mobile, um, you know, mobile headsets provide really easy access for people who already have that phone, uh, because it's just the cost of the headset, the Standalone, I think, is where people who are who are interested in VR. Um, it's going to be like you know two hundred dollars the Oculus Go. So I think it's a really good price point, uh, very cheap. Yeah, and uh, that's a standalone headset that's basically fully immersive. Does it, are they going to have um, AR capabilities? Will they have like a front-facing camera? Do you know? Um, I don't think so. Not that I've heard of, no. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of processing power to to run those visuals. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I was um, talking with other entrepreneurs about what's going to happen when it's basically like Google Glasses. You remember when those came out? Um, 
where we're just wearing a heads up display on our on our glasses and what that's going to do to the whole concept of reality and consciousness and connectedness and when effectively the mobile phone is um obsolete because we have these glasses that are now replacing our communication platform and yeah 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 absolutely um i think that's i think that's the future the, the mobile phone is uh is a dying species um <laughs> you know it's it's i think it's definitely clear that many people and like in, in even in society we see we see a lot of media um you know coverage on the negative effects we are seeing from mobile phones um whether it's you know people are on it all the time you know posture um of course they have you know amazing benefits as well but the negative effects are increasingly visible because we're just used to it it's not like a new thing that we're kind of used to the benefits and now the negative sides are like are, we're seeing more and more of those so i think the extended reality with glasses and the interface changing um is is the next step um mm-hmm. it's going to open up a lot more pos- like a lot more possibilities and also make it easier uh and and remove some of those those negative aspects of the phone along those lines of the the paradigm shift from well first of all i want to acknowledge what you said you're like i love that you said it's a it's a dying species because that that gives a real organic evolution to technology it gives the context of a little darwinian you know uh, i can see beetles being classified and quickly uh, becoming extinct you know uh the the mobile phone uh interface is an interesting one it's something that when i was really early into it you know we were still evolving what how buttons looked and what yeah. you, and then voice activation came along and siri came along with um all kinds of amazing abilities to tell you what time it is to what the nearest restaurant is and so in VR it makes sense that a lot of the uh user interface is going to come through the voice through a voice activation and uh voice driven mm-hmm. commands at least to start i think we're already seeing that in a lot of mobile applications especially with these uh wireless headsets that um, Apple's really pushing and a lot of other companies are pushing the Bluetooth headsets where people don't even need to look at their phone anymore. They just speak commands and the computer does the processing. So uh, you had mentioned you're solving the login challenge. I don't know if you want to share how you're doing that, but for example, like that's a, that's a real world challenge in virtual realities how do we get users to authenticate and how do we get them to interface with data and um and then for example switching switching different aspects of your controller uh, of your program right now you i think you have um there's a controller mechanism but how how you know this all brand new landscape figuring out how to navigate a three-dimensional environment without a handheld interface there's no keyboard there's no touch screen so exciting times uh what are your th- thoughts on on the different navigational techniques that first of all that you've discovered and then 
that you see coming in the future? Yeah, so we found it, um, you know, we were, we initially created a keyboard um, for login, um, just bringing, it, it's become so easy to bring in the, you know, the UX and UI of 2D, 2D interfaces into the 3D environment. It's just like, it, it, it's so easy to do. And when we got there, we, we, we were, you know, asking some people, getting some feedback, and one of the things came up was like, how many VR apps have you used where you had to log in with a username and password? And it's almost none. Like it's like I could, couldn't even like count five of them. <laughs> and that was like for us, that was like, oh, this this is uh, this is really it's really big. Like if if, if we're not use, if nobody is creating these kind of login login um, logins, why not? Um, and it was clear that it's just it's just difficult. Um, so we we try to explore um, one of the the way we actually came the way we actually figured out was a good way to do it was to use the data that's existing on the user's phone. So you know people log in with uh, email accounts on their phone on Android, for example, and there's a way to access those email accounts. Now if you can access that email account, that means you don't need to put in your email address. And then you just need to solve the password problem. So it's kind of like chipping away. Where can we get this data? Um, and um, even not having to present some data. So if, for example, the user has an email address, uh, you know, an email account on their phone, that means they must have authenticated with somebody that email address to put that email address on the phone. Which means authentication is actually done. So, um, so using a third-party so, authentication service seems to be a really nice workaround for the login challenge. Like sign in with Facebook once and you're kind of done, or for example, or Google. And uh, unfortunately, that's not available. Like I mm. wish, and I'm hoping that you know. Uh, Facebook and Oculus and Google bring out this uh, login through Facebook and Google in VR mm. because that's going to make life so much easier. Um, at the moment, it's not there, which is why we have these challenge. Yeah, it's interesting. And you could even potentially use like users' phone IP address. I don't know if they're dynamic or not, but uh, there's probably some mobile identifier that's passed through during a session. Um, that at least it's it might not tie it to the specific user, but you could get um, a unique user ID that way. Um, you can definitely get a unique user ID um, based on the mobile device. Mm. Um, but uh, that that's not the same as logging in. Um, definitely not. Yeah. What I found, yeah. I was talking to. Um, another entrepreneur earlier today helping with some marketing advice and and I'm like well the the deeper the link you have with your client uh, the better position you are so effectively the more communication the more touch points you have yeah. whether you have their phone number and their email uh, their name their birthday whatever the information is just as a rule of thumb uh, if you want to expand your client relationship, then having more touch points is is valuable. So, you know, at a first stage, it's like user authentication, and then 
um, from like a functionality perspective. And then moving on from there, it's like, what, how can we engage this user in a, a deeper way so that we can provide more value to them? And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun avenue that the whole, just the whole user interface of VR, it's, it's just such a wide open playing field. And to me, that vastness is exciting. It's just so exciting. It's like, we don't yeah. know what the interface yeah. is going to look like. Yeah. We've got some ideas, but they're all, you know, a lot of times they're taking some interface from the, the pre-existing to, you know, 2d touchscreen or, you know, real world interface of a keyboard and a mouse and putting yeah. that into a virtual environment where in fact, most likely it's going to be something totally different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think part of the challenge is that the users, like the users themselves are coming in from a 2d environment. So the reason why mobile uh, is so, uh, you know, UX in, on mobile is quite advanced is because also the users have become accustomed and have learned what are the best practices or what different apps do. And over time, they understand, oh, this is how it works. Mm. Whereas VR is so new, so many people who are coming into VR have used VR only once or twice. So they have had no time to learn these new, you know, UX designs, and actually, if you, you know, there are some really innovative uh, navigation systems uh, people have developed in, uh, or just you know, placing menu items as objects in the in the environment, um, and getting and getting the user to change from a mindset of a, of a navigation menu having like you know like two D to an object being a menu, it takes a little bit of time. So. I think it's it's partly the user um, and partly the design. It's going to be completely different, um, you know, in in some time. Oh yeah, for sure. It's amazing the evolution of of these interfaces. I like that you're so aware of your users, um, their frame of reference, right? If we, it, it's it's easy for a user to have a baseline of understanding of how something works and jump in, for example, Oh, this is a a keyboard or I can reach out and touch this button. And like in the real world example, but if they have no frame of reference to how the user interface is supposed to be working, then they either need like a helpful avatar, like, you know, welcoming them or kind of walking them through. Hey, if you, punch this with you know look over here and at this dot have point this dot at this button and it'll hold it there five seconds and it'll initiate or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a uh, talk at oculus connect um and um they were giving examples of some a uh, application and making the user feel comfortable in vr you know, uh, one one particular uh, company had created like a, a robot that just you know treated the user as a user and was like saying hi and being a little bit vulnerable while also being funny. Um, so it's a bit more emo more of an emotional touch, um, I think, is is possible in VR, which is not the same, not not as strong uh, on a two D interface. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, 
especially as as the the platforms evolve and people get more more accustomed to it. I like the robot idea. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, um, what are your plans for for the future of your application and your company? So we've just graduated from the Boost VC program, um, and we are now looking to move, kind of uh, doing both B two B and B two B to C and B to C. So we're we're looking to develop the product, um, you know. Get more, get more content. Uh, explore, explore the 3D, 3D effects, animations, um, kind of interactivity, and how that really affects stress and anxiety reduction. So at the moment, we have 360 videos, we have meditations, both of which have research behind them, showing their efficacy. But the interactivity, I think, will become really important to kind of establish a stronger sense of presence in VR. I mean, you have the menu system, but I think more can be done. And we are exploring and we, are, we, we started creating some, you know, some objects, some animations that might uh, elicit this kind of response. Hmm. From the... Uh, go ahead. Oh, please, yeah. That's okay. really, really interesting to me once, once uh, animation and motion comes into VR, what the user experience is going to be like. That's, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, um, particles, like what, what can we do with particles and just, uh, environments that the user has never been to before or that don't exist. Um, from the B to, from the B to B to C side, we are seeing, um, you know, interest from a lot of different sectors. So we've got partnerships, Partnerships with the airline's VR provider and also a massage device manufacturer, and we're seeing a lot of interest from corporate wellness providers, from spas, from meditation studios, um, even aged care centers. So, kind of exploring um, ways to service service those, um, and alongside all of that, we'll be raising our seed round early next year. So, wow, awesome! Yeah. You said you said raising your seed round. Cool. That's great. Well, as you're going through those, I remember from my own experience being a first mover in the new market, um, it was like business development was fairly easy. It, it They came to me, you know, they're like, oh, this guy has this really cool app and he's popular. You know, like I'm going to reach out and um, and talk to this entrepreneur. So uh, we ended up getting a lot of people who were curious and and then some people who were great business partners you know really really helped to accelerate our business and open our minds to to different avenues of partnership and um, we ended up white labeling our our application which is basically making it available as a generic um, application which a a company could put their brand on on top of um, and we had a a cool interface where when the user would log in then then we would skin the app so it would have kind of a generic frame and then once the user logged in they were identified as associated with a particular white label client um, yeah we're, we're thinking about that uh probably not the white label uh 
size specifically, um, but something more uh, more aligned, but also somewhat customizable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. It's a business is fun. It's also it can be a little stressful, which is great that you have a nice application to help you de-stress. <laughs> <laughs> I use it almost every day. Yeah, it's awesome. And how coming from your meditation and yogic background, how has it uh, influenced you being in this in the virtual environment? Like, did you build this app because you're like, oh, I really want a tool for myself to help me drop into a state of relaxation easier? Or was it um, a combination of that plus I would like to gift this to the world uh, or, you know, what, what were your motive motivating factors? Um, the motivating factor was actually exploration um, because I didn't know what VR would do uh, and meditation VR would do. And for, for some time after we launched the app, you know, I would primarily use a relaxed VR, uh, you know, for the sake of development, and I wasn't using it on an everyday basis. And, you know, I, I kind of put that down to, well, you know, I have my own practice and, you know, I, I am able to get into a state uh, of relaxation very quickly without VR. So initially that was my, you know, my, you know, my, my kind of reaction or use of relaxed VR. And as we started, uh, incorporating more elements that related to the visual environment. So initially we just, we just had a meditation in the 360 video and then we introduced introduction. So we had more kind of immersion. We would talk through the different, you know, parts of the scene and uh, establish more of a sense of presence. Um, once we did that, I started using it a lot more and now, um, it's excellent for environments where I cannot actually do my own practice. So at work, for example, um, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who don't necessarily, are not necessarily into meditation. Um, you know, it's a, it's a work environment, so it's, it's, it's busy and, you know, it's, it, it's, um, it, it's moving fast. And in that kind of environment, it's very difficult to just sit and close your eyes and not look like, you're out of place. But when you put a VR headset on, everybody, it's very clear you're, you're in VR, you're not to be disturbed, you're in your own space, and it becomes, like, I can instantly go into my own, like, in, into a relaxation meditation practice and not feel out of place right in the middle of my workspace in v, with VR. Um, I found I can, like, do it in, in Uber. So when I'm, when I'm traveling um, or in a bus, or on a plane, they have been the kind of two main areas where I, I found it uh, particularly valuable, um, even outside of my own meditation practice. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating how it, when you're in this, kind of like wearing sunglasses, people can't see your eyes, but when you're in this kind of closed off um, state, people in our society will assume that you're not to be bothered. And one aspect of our society that's a personal opinion is that it's very pro productivity focused. So sometimes, mm -hmm. um, 
when people see another person sitting apparently doing nothing you know there there's pretend there's room for judgment either self-judgment or judgment from another so in a work environment it's like who knows if you're like watching spreadsheets scroll across your vr screen or if you're in hawaii on a beach you know <laughs> there's a a really interesting aspect of privacy uh to the vr uh world that is um Nobody can like peek over and look at your screen conceivably, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So it is. It is you're, it, yeah, it, it is very interesting, uh, especially with you know uh, companies like Big Screen and other applications allowing you to work within VR. Um, privacy, you know, focus, uh, concentration, um, you know, inability, like less of an ability to get distracted. Um, I think are all positives. VR. Yeah, that's interesting too. I hadn't thought much about that where in order to like pull yourself out of the virtual environment, you literally have to take the headset off at this yeah. point. Whereas in a desktop situation or a laptop situation, you can be typing away and something across the table or a colleague will pass by and they get your attention and you're kind of pulled away from whatever you're doing, but the virtual environment is so immersive that it's um, really difficult to pull attention away, uh, at least in the, the kind of framework of, uh, you know, the, the environment is so controlled. It's just, it's just amazing what, what that could do to the potentials for concentration. Yeah, absolutely. And while there's you know friction to put VR on, like, and why you know uh, it, it's been perceived to be a little bit slow on the uptake, it's also there is also friction to take it off. Like there's friction both ways. So when you're in, you want to stay in for a little while because you've just gone through this you know a process to put it on, and now you just want to hang out. Um, whereas, as you said, uh, with a laptop or or um, or a desktop, it's, it's much easier. There's less effort involved to put it on, get in, and same thing to go out. And how are you, uh, uh, I really enjoyed demoing your product at the TransTech conference. Um, yeah. How are you, um, kind of, one of the things I've observed in my VR experiences is the transition from this realm of three dimensions without a VR headset on, putting the headset on, it's like a black screen, and then if it like blasts right away with like some white light, you know, it's it's like shocking to the system. It's almost like being hit, like it's it's really intense. So my um my kind of preference is that applications that kind of have a lower light setting um and maybe warm up from dark to light and then on the termination of the application they'll they'll fade from lighter to dark again. So there's this transition period from uh, reality to reality. To reality. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great point. Um, I'm not sure if we've incorporated that in all of our platforms. In some of our platforms, we definitely have, where um, it was, it's like uh, you, you, know, you have a splash screen, it's, it's all black, and maybe you have the logo, and then you, if you go into a light uh, you know, scenario, it's, Extremely bright. It's too bright. It, mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, you like as you said, it shocks the system. Um, even during meditation, actually, we found when people uh, when doing closed eye meditations, if the screen is bright, it just 
it's noticeable and it's it's uh it's disconcerting. So we had on Gear VR we have like a brightness adjustment, so you can adjust how bright you want the the scene to be when you're when you when you're zoning out or going into a meditation. Nice, nice. Yeah. And you're so it sounds like you're getting some good user feedback. Yes, definitely. Um, with four hundred thousand users, like we. There's uh, plenty of feedback that's coming through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Everybody's got their idea of how to improve it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And and we're listening. Like, we're, we're trying to... Uh, I think probably the, the, the biggest uh, asks are content um, and uh, user-generated content. Mm, interesting. So, oh, so, yeah. So similar to uh, Insight Timers, kind of create your own guided meditation... Um, maybe have some some platform for for users or um, other contributors to to generate their own meditations within the platform. Uh, not so much other people. Well, what we're seeing is like even users' own content. So you know they want to use their own music. You want to create their own space, like their own uh, happy space. So uh-huh. on their own music, their own audio, even their own photos. Like they take a uh, photo or video, a 360 photo or video of their own, you know, like their favorite environment, favorite location. And now they can just be that, that in VR and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, go there whenever they want. Yeah. Take a 360 video of the cubicle and put it in the note. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> More like the beach, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Uh, that's an interesting uh, uh, interesting user, user request, and it makes sense to me. Users, when I find there's a trend and there's a buzzword called agency in the VR community around users having agency, meaning they have control over their environment, and yep. it does make sense that a user would want to play. The other thing that agency does is it seems to get users more engaged with whatever they're doing um, because there's this curiosity, oh, what if I pull on this or push on that or maybe yep. I can customize this this way. So that'll be interesting to see how that how that evolves if users can import playlists from Spotify or, uh, yeah. you know. exactly. Really, really cool. Really cool. Well, it yeah. sounds like yeah. you've got a lot of uh, opportunity and potential work in front of you. So I imagine prioritizing is like always, it seems to be in life, is uh, got to be a challenge sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's probably the hardest thing uh, for us at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, under, we've got, a bunch of features that we can push out, um, you know, whether to focus on quality or feature set. Um, and then, then there's the, uh, the kind of opportunities on the B2B C side. So it's, uh, it, you know, at the boost VC accelerator program definitely helped us, um, to kind of see, uh, you know, see the different possibilities and what could be a distraction and what's not. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely making headway. Have you had some good guidance uh, along the path? Do you have some some good mentors, some good business mentors, maybe inside or outside of the VC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, even uh, 
so both in Australia, in, in Boost VC, um, and uh, there was another incubator we went through, Startup House. Um, all of those, I find, um, you know, there are a lot of things from mobile, like it doesn't have to be VR specific, um, just general focus um, areas. Uh, yeah, we had some great guidance, um, some great guidance. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. it sounds like you're in a prime position to really make an impact on people's wellness. So, you know, it's amazing. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us at Conscious Founders. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, tell a friend, share it with a colleague, and drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. You can check us out at ConsciousFounders.org. And you can email me, Xander, Z-A-N-D-E-R, at ConsciousFounders.org. As always, stay healthy.